And now, before we officially begin this week's episode of the Boochcast, I have something very important that I need to discuss with all of you here at the Boochcast Nation. As you know, for many years now, I have been affiliated with a wrestling company called Universal Championship Wrestling. And the company is run by a gentleman by the name of Ronnie Gossett. I've known Ronnie for close to seven years now, and and anyone who knows Ronnie like I do knows what a bright light he brings with him everywhere he goes. Sadly, his declining health has added to the intense depression that he's fought since losing his daughters in 2017. Ronnie, in addition to being a wrestling promoter, also uses his musical gifts to spread joy to everyone around him and invest in his community every time he has the opportunity. Ron's health has begun to severely affect his quality of life and his ability to function independently. After being hospitalized, he has been advised by doctors that he doesn't have the one to two years it would take to get his health under control. However, there is a solution. Ron can get through this physical trial and thrive if he is able to raise the funds for a life-saving surgery. There is so much hope for his life, there is so much joy left for Ronnie to spread, and there are so many more fun nights he gets to create. Fighting diabetes that is out of control, coupled with blood flow issues and coronary heart disease, has brought intense pain to Ronnie's life daily and made even the most simple tasks incredibly difficult. He is losing the ability to work and provide for himself. Ron has been involved in the professional wrestling industry as a wrestler and a promoter for over 20 years with events that entertain many and also makes a living traveling throughout Georgia and South Carolina, facilitating karaoke and using his singing talent to entertain and inspire others. Ronnie will wear the mask of I'm okay forever and is the last person to ask for help. Trust me, I know this from experience. I love Ronnie to death, but he is a stubborn bastard, and he will never ask for help. He has needed friends to help him get to and from events in recent weeks, but struggles with shame, embarrassment, and believing that no one cares about him. His life matters, and it can be saved. Any amount helps. A surgery will save his life and give him the opportunity to live many more years blessing the lives of others, even reconnecting with his children in the future. And that is why I'm encouraging everyone to go to the GoFundMe page that we have on our Boochcast Facebook page and donate whatever amount you can to help him raise the money he needs for this life-saving surgery. The goal is to raise $15,000. Now, as I mentioned before, every little bit helps. So you're not required, obviously, to donate thousands of dollars if you don't have that kind of money to throw around. But every little bit that you can give helps. And just to show how serious I am about this, I personally, Vinny Bucci, have donated $50 to the GoFundMe campaign. And I'm doing it for two reasons. One, because I consider Ronnie a dear friend in addition to a coworker, and I desperately want him to get better. But the other reason is to show all of you, the Boochcast Nation, that I always practice what I preach. And the one thing that I always preach to you guys is that I never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, ask any of you to donate money to any cause that I myself 
am not willing to donate to. So go to GoFundMe.com slash Saving Ron's Life. I will have links to this on the Boochcast Facebook and Twitter page for you guys to easily access and donate whatever amount you can. Every little bit helps no matter what it is. Don't feel like if you're donating a small amount, you're not contributing. You are helping us to reach this goal. Let's help Ronnie get back on his feet and get him the life-saving surgery he needs to thrive and provide and live a long and happy life. I've tried, 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 and I've tried even more. I've cried, 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 and I can't recall what for. I pressed, I pushed, I yelled, I begged, hoped in some success. The inevitable fact is that it never will impress. I've more fucks to give, my fucks have all run dry. I've tried to go fuck shopping, but there's no fucks left to buy. I've got no fucks to give, the more fucks I've tried to get. I'm over my fuck budget, and I'm now in fucking debt. Well, I've strive, strive, strive to get everything done. Jumped up, I've laughed, alas, no avail. I've run that like a moron to one hit with a curly fell. More fucks to give, my fuck fuse has just blown. Been hunting for my fucks all day, but they've up been fucked off home. I've no more fucks to give, my fuck rations have depleted. I've rallied my fuck army, but it's been fucking
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, The Booch is riding solo. Now, as you guys know from last week, we had John Tumblin here in the studio, and he was giving us all the, uh, the backstory and the updates on him moving into his new house and how that transition has been preventing him from not only being here on The Boochcast, but also has delayed the airing of our Boochcast D&D show and it also is the reason why most of our watch parties we've been having have been, you know John's been absent or been away or whatever. Well, I spoke to John a few hours before NXT aired and asked him if he was able to make it today because I know he talked last week about not maybe not being able to make it but I wanted to double check and he has assured me that this should be the last week Week that the Booch does this show by himself. Unless, of course, some shit comes up between me or him in the future where John's not able to make it or, God forbid, I'm not able to make it and somebody else has to step in and help John, uh, one or the other. Anyway, John is in the new house. They've moved in. They just don't have a TV or internet set up yet. They're still kind of getting everything moved into the house. But John has assured me by next week, everything will be ready to go. He'll have his internet, he'll have his TV, he'll have his everything, and John will be here next week on the Boochcast to recap NXT. And while he's here, hopefully we can get an update on when we can get the ball rolling with the D&D show and all that. So I'm hoping to have that for you next week. I can't promise you we'll have a D&D update, but I can promise you that John will be here next week to talk NXT. So now that I got that out of the way, let's get it started in here. And we are going to kick things off with the number one contenders match with the winner to face Karrion Cross for the NXT title at TakeOver In Your House. Johnny Gargano versus Pete Dunne versus Kyle O'Reilly. Now, this match was very much a hard-hitting match. These were three guys desperate to get a title shot. And I can honestly say that Pete Dunne, to me, was the standout guy in this match because I really wanted him to win because I feel like he deserves a title shot above the other two guys. We've already seen Kyle O'Reilly fight for the championship. Um, We've already seen Jardy Gargano. I don't see him becoming NXT champion anytime soon. Although I wouldn't mind it because I feel like if he's going to be the leader of the way, then he should be the NXT champion. And then Austin Theory can go for the North American title while Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell you know, have the tag team titles. So in a way, the way would have all the gold. Now, granted, they wouldn't have the NXT women's title, but unless Candice LeRae wants to become a double champion, I don't really see a scenario where that could happen. Because I know Indy Hartwell, she ain't going to get a singles title anytime soon. But that would make sense. So I wouldn't be against Johnny Gargano having the NXT championship. But as great as this match was, the finish was absolute garbage. Adam Cole comes out to ringside and hits O'Reilly and done with a chair. Gargano tries a dive, but Cole hits him in the head with a chair as he sails through the air. Cole hits a brain buster out on the floor. Cole catches O'Reilly with a shining wizard. Cole rolls in the ring and kicks Gargano in the head. Commissioner Regal walks 
to the ring with security, and they try to get Adam Cole escorted off the premises, which to me was an absolute waste of time to me. Yeah, the whole thing was fucking stupid. First of all, uh, I hate seeing a no contest in a triple threat match when there's already no disqualification. Plus, with all the brutality that Adam Cole dished out, I have seen these guys get up from a lot worse from a lot tougher. And that's not a knock on Adam Cole. I'm just saying that these guys kick out of some pretty gnarly shit. So I refuse to believe this type of damage can really lay these guys out. Especially when you got Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano who take great pride in being guys who like to dive headfirst out of the ring a lot. A lot. So, it just felt ridiculous to me. Another reason it pissed me off was this. This is a number one contender match for the NXT Championship. With the winner to get a shot at TakeOver. At the time this match happened, it's June 1st. The pay-per-view is June 13th. That means we are 12 days away from the pay-per-view. Which means that next week's NXT is the go-home episode. So why would you not have your title match already established before the pay-per-view? Why do you need to drag this out for another fucking week? I would love for someone to explain that to me. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, Boots, didn't you watch the whole show? Yes, I watched the whole show. I'll get to that in a moment. But right now, I'm thinking when I'm watching this match at this current time, because I don't jump ahead on recaps, I think about what's going through my mind at the time I'm watching the match, not from what I see afterwards. But why would you have to wait an extra week to determine your number one contender? Because the go-home show, by the time you get to the go-home episode, when you're on the last TV show before the pay-per-view, all the matches should already be established. I should already know who's wrestling who for what. I shouldn't have to use the go-home show to scramble and put your card together. Or have to wait to go on social media to see what's happening. Now, don't get me wrong, I understand why they use social media, because everybody's on it, but I want the TV show to tell me everything I need to know. I shouldn't have to go searching the internet to find answers to a question. And if you're going to tweet it out, tweet it out during the show and then have the announcer say, and then you have the Twitter page up there and all that. I get that. But you, this, this match should have established a number one contender. Or if they were going to do what they were going to do, William Regal should have just fucking said it right then and there. But we'll get to that later. I don't want to jump ahead. So on that note, we see security forcing Adam Cole out of the arena. Ember Moon power walks to the ring once it's all cleared and demands Raquel Gonzalez come to the ring. Moon isn't going to let what Gonzalez did to Shotzi Blackheart slide. Gonzalez stomps to the ring. Regal tries to hold her back. Gonzalez gets to the ring and eats a fury of strikes from Moon as Regal and security pull Gonzalez back. Dakota Kai attacks Moon from behind. Okay, I love the passion from Ember Moon, but what she did in that ring was so babyface 101. I'm holding the show hostage. I'm not leaving the ring until you come out here. I've heard this story before. And of course, Raquel comes out. Regal again is trying to hold them back, which fascinates the shit out of me. Like, really? Why Why we need to do this? Let them fight. But the one good thing was Ember Moon got a bunch of shots in on Gonzalez. I thought that was great. She just gets, just knocks her for a loop. Dakota attacks her from behind. It was a good execution at the end. But the promo fell flat to me because I've heard it a million times. When I've heard a phrase a million times, it's hard for me to get excited over it. But from an analyst standpoint, the segment did its job. 
Next, LA Knight talks his way to the ring. And I say this every week, but I will continue to say it because it bears repeating. Give the man a mic every week. I have yet to hear a bad promo come out of this guy's mouth. It's great. He walks to the ring, asks, demands his music being played, calls him a dummy, yeah, as he walks his way to the ring and just talks up a storm the whole way there. And then we have the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that, LA Knight versus Jake Atlas. <laughs> this was basically a TV match to set up an angle, as John would call it. I mean, that's all that happened. The Million Dollar Man came out to the ring to watch the match. Atlas takes control. Cameron Grimes walks to ringside, tries to get DiBiase to pick him. Knight does his grandstanding and his hot dogging while on the top rope, trying to impress DiBiase. Atlas crotches down the top rope. Knight falls to the mat. Atlas hits the rainbow DDT, gets the win, and then DiBiase shakes his head and walks away. Uh, yeah, this was fucking stupid. Why does anyone think Jake Atlas deserves a push? This man is a cruiserweight spot monkey and has shown that he is nothing nothing more than that. You have LA Knight, who is the best on the roster, and I will make that bold statement and dare anyone to correct me. That man is the guy. If I were booking, he'd already be the NXT champion by now. He'd be the number one contender, and he'd be taking the belt and in your house. And I would have him hold that title until I'm ready to send him to SmackDown. That's how good he is. For him to lose to Jake Atlas is some bullshit. It's shitty booking. The only solace I can find in this is that the announcers said that Cameron Grimes caused a distraction. So at least they tried to cover it up and try to make LA Knight look good. But obviously this is going to lead to a match between LA Knight and Cameron Grimes at TakeOver In Your House. Because I know DiBiase, um, you know, talks about how, you know, you got to have the brains and the brawn. And, you know, Cameron Grimes has that. L.A. Knight kind of dropped the ball. And they're both obviously fighting for the attention of the Million Dollar Man. And even as DiBiase walks away, L.A. Knight screaming, Ted, Ted, don't leave me. Like, it was pathetic. The only reason that L.A. Knight didn't look stupid doing that is because he's a bit of a heel. Because of the heel, he can get away with doing shit like that. If he was a baby face, he'd have been buried right there. Being a heel saves LA Knight from a lot of the shit they put him through. They don't always put him through shit, but when they do, it's shit. Now, obviously these two are going to face off. Now, they haven't added this yet, but they got a week left. They got one more show. They need to bring back the Million Dollar Championship, and they need to fight for it. And I would even say this. The winner gets DiBiase as a manager. I'd make that a stipulation as well. I think Ted DiBiase should manage the winner. Now, I know you're probably thinking to yourself, Booch, both these guys can talk. They don't really need a manager. True, but it wouldn't hurt. It'd be a great way to keep DiBiase on TV. If him and Cameron Grimes were together, they'd be spending money like crazy. If he was with LA Knight, he could probably act as his agent. And LA Knight could only talk when he wants to. It'd be a great way for LA Knight to get some real heat. Because LA Knight is so fucking good on the mic that it's hard to boo him. I think if you let DiBiase speak for him, it's it'll be easier to get heat on LA Knight. It'll be easier to get them to boo. Because DiBiase will know exactly what to say and what not to say. He will find the right verbiage to get the crowd to boo LA Knight. Easier to get heat. So I would do that. I would make the winner the manager as well as the million dollar champion. Kind of like a Steve Austin ringmaster kind of thing. I think it would work. And then also in the backstage area, while DiBiase was doing that interview, Oni Lork and Austin Theory get into an argument over who should have won the triple threat match. I like that. I love that. And the reason I love that was because Austin Theory grew some balls and became a fucking man. You know, Oni said if it wasn't for Adam Cole, Pete Dunne would be the number one contender. Austin Theory said, whoa, 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 whoa. Johnny Gargano 
Toronto would be the number one contender. And then all of a sudden, Oni Lorcan shoves him. Austin Theory says, don't be put your hands on me. And he shoves him back. And then they start going back and forth. And then eventually, security has to separate them. I love that. Austin Theory manned up. And we hadn't seen Austin Theory acting like a man in a long time. He's been acting like a boy for most of his career. Now he finally manned the fuck up. And I love it. I love it. It's great. It's ingenious. I find it amazing. I find it entertaining. And I want to see more of that. Next, we cut to an in-ring segment with Adam Cole. Baby. Cole says he's the real number one contender. For two months, he sat at home and watched everyone try to fill his void. In three minutes, he took out three of the top superstars in NXT. Cole wants his title back. Cole says Karrion Cross is an overrated muscle head. Cross and Scarlet walk to the ring. Cross grabs a mic and says what Cole did tonight was understandable. Cross says nothing Cole does will change anything. When Cross signed here, Cole was no longer special. Cole says the truth is Cross isn't Cole and he never will be. This brand has done everything to make Cross look special. Do you know what they do to make Cole look special? They ring the bell. Cole says Cross is just a guy who has his property. Regal walks down to the ring and he says he knows what Cole is trying to do and it won't work. Cross tells Regal to shut up. It's about what Cross wants. Cross wants everyone at the same time. Cross tells Cole no matter what he does, he isn't getting out of this ass kicking. Cole leaves the ring, stands on the announce desk, and mocks Cross. Cole tosses a water bottle at Cross and Scarlet and runs away. Loved it. Loved every minute of this. And the reason I loved every minute of this was because afterwards, Regal said done. So now the match has been established. As I mentioned before, there's only one more NXT episode before the pay-per-view. Next week is the go-home show. So we need to establish everything and we now have a fatal five-way match for the title. Karrion Cross puts the title on the line against Adam Cole, Car- Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne, and Johnny Gargano. This is good and bad. First of all, five guys in a ring is a lot. So there's going to be a lot of moments of people trying to get their shit in. It's going to be disorganized, guaranteed. Especially since in the new age of wrestling, that's how things are done. So usually when something is a five-way or a six-pack challenge or whatever, it's going to be a spot fest. Now, hopefully, they can keep the spot fest to a minimum, and the match will be good. But if this just becomes a full-blown spot fest with everyone trying to get their shit in, then it's not going to work. And it's going to be a waste of everybody's time. But also what this does is it asks the question, is Karrion Cross going to lose the title? And is this a way to get him to lose the title? Because anytime there's a triple threat match or a fatal four-way or a five-way match or a six-pack challenge or anything like that, you always have to ask yourself the question, is this a way for them to get a title off a wrestler? Because usually that's what they try to do with triple threat matches and things like that. It's so the champion can lose his title without being pinned or submitted and thus doesn't lose their momentum or still look strong even in defeat. But what this can also do is elevate Karrion Cross as the ultimate badass. Because if he beats all four of these guys in this match, not only does it make Karrion Cross the baddest motherfucker in NXT, it also puts all four of them at the back of the line. That's four top guys gone. Which means somebody else at some point is going to have to step up and beat him. And there's a few people on that roster that I wouldn't mind see- beating Karen Cross. L.A. Knight, Bronson Reed, Dexter Loomis, 
And if he was still doing the Thatch's Thatch Can gimmick, Timothy Thatcher would be another that I wouldn't mind seeing beating Karrion Cross. These are all guys who could potentially become champions, NXT champions. Because if Karrion Cross beats these guys, none of them should be coming after him for the title after that. They lose, they're done. Let's make that clear. They lose, they're done. So it'll be intriguing to see how this goes down. But Adam Cole's promo was great. His promos always are. And they at least established a main event for TakeOver In Your House. So I can now be okay with the triple threat fiasco that happened earlier in the night. And then, of course, we see a video clip of Zia Lee uh, losing to Mercedes Martinez in the Mae Young Classic many years ago. They both competed in the first ever Mae Young Classic. And apparently Zia Lee has held a grudge against Mercedes for a long time and says she was a different person then than she is now because obviously Zia Lee has a brand new gimmick. And what I liked about this was the fact that it now gives us a reason for why these two are in a feud. Now it's like, okay, this is not going to be a, a throwaway feud for Mercedes Martinez to kill time with since she lost to Raquel Gonzalez. There's a story here. There's emotion here. There's something to play off of. There's something to get invested in. And that's brilliant because I'll be honest, I forgot all about that. I knew Mercedes Martinez was in the Mae Young Classic. I just forgot that she faced Zia Lee because back then I didn't give a shit about Zia Lee. I really didn't. And the Mae Young Classic, it's hard to remember all the women that were in there. I remember a couple, but not a lot. So I'm glad they're bringing this back and making this story mean something. So when we see this match at TakeOver, we're actually going to be, we actually have a reason to care now. So anyway, we cut backstage and we see Candice LeRae and she's ranting and raving. Indy Hartwell is standing in the background looking lovelorn. LeRae pulls off Hartwell's headphones and she's listening to 80s love ballads. Because obviously she still loves Dexter Loomis, who later finds the headphones and puts them on and slumps away. So obviously you know, they're still kind of dragging out the love story between Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis. And like I said before, it's only a matter of time before these two finally get together. Now, whether this happens at TakeOver in your house or if it happens at another TakeOver uh, in the future, if there's one like before SummerSlam, maybe it'll happen then. But I feel like it's coming and it's going to be good when it happens. But I don't know why they're waiting this long. I don't know if they're waiting for fans to come back in the stands and like do this in an arena. Because usually that's what happens. They have the TakeOver TV shows are filmed. You to be at Full Sail, now it's the Capitol Wrestling Center, and then they would have the takeovers in arenas. Like, wherever SummerSlam was happening, that's where TakeOver would be happening. So, since SummerSlam looks like it's gonna be the night where fans are officially gonna come back in the stands full-time, at least on pay-per-view, then maybe that's the night they wanna do it. Because I know uh, next month, WWE starts going back on the road, and I think in July, there's gonna be Money in the Bank. Because I think Money in the Bank was supposed to be this month and Hell in a Cell is supposed to be next month but they flip-flopped it because Hell in a Cell is now on Father's Day and Money in the Bank is now in July. So I think that, you know, technically Money in the Bank will have fans in the stands, but I don't know if they're going to be at full capacity on that night. But I do know SummerSlam is going to have fans in the stands, definitely, so at full capacity. So maybe they might wait for that takeover. That way, when Dexter Loomis and Indy Hartwell finally get together and they have that kiss, the crowd will explode. Because I remember one of the biggest letdowns of WrestleMania 36 was that it was an empty building when... 
Otis and Mandy Rose had their kiss. Because I can guarantee you, if they had done that in Tampa Bay, in that stadium, that crowd would have popped. I would have popped. Desmond would have popped. Elvis would have popped. We'd have lost our fucking minds. We would have loved that night. Guaranteed. It would have been a great night. So hopefully that's where they're going with this. But ultimately, I don't know. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Kushida defends the title against Carmelo Hayes. Kushida punt kicks Hayes' arm, locks in the hoverboard lock, and Hayes taps out. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys right now. The only reason I just brought up the finish is because I really didn't give a shit about this match. I mean, it was a cruiserweight match. It was a spot fest match. But I'm telling you, I'm not excited about Kushida being the cruiserweight champion. To me, he's just another spot monkey. He's just another strong style, no-sell guy. I'm not enjoying this title run. And the guy he's in the ring with, I don't know who he is. And frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I don't give a shit. This is nothing about this match excited me. There was barely anything happening that even remotely kept my attention. So because it was hard to keep my attention, it didn't really keep my attention. I was bored to tears during this match. This is the type of match where if I wasn't an analyst and I didn't have a podcast to do, I would get up and go to the bathroom. I would look at stuff online. I would, you know, get something to eat, get something to drink, maybe, you know, something else. I would do some anything else other than watch this match because to me, this is a bathroom break. That's exactly what this is. Nothing exciting. And on that note, we see the pro. Speaking of not exciting, uh, we have the promo from MSK. Um, blah blah blah. MSK. Um, all day, every day, whatever the fuck their catchphrase is. I don't give a shit about this team. Next, we have um Frankie Monet, who says, "You are perfect." You are beautiful. You look like Linda Evangelista. You are a model. Everything about you is perfect. The reviews are in, and people loved Frankie Monet's in-ring debut on last week's NXT. You're goddamn right we did. And now Frankie Monet is back to doing promos for now until she gets back in the ring. But like I said before, once she gets in that ring, she's Taya Valkyrie. She's La Huera Loca. And she's just getting started. That is a future NXT Women's Champion. And I hope if she gets called up, she'll probably go to Raw to be with John Morrison and I'm sure she'll get paired up with her and Miz and all that shit but at least she'll find a way to make them watchable because I love John Morrison but I can't stand the fucking Miz but Frankie Monet will probably be a will probably be like a valet for them while also competing for a women's championship and on that note we move on to the next match of the evening if we even want to call it that Zeta Ramir and Zoe Stark versus Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. And I'm sure if John was here, he would say, no, we can't call it that. This was basically the way steamrolling over Zeta and Zoe. It really was. I mean, obviously, Zeta ate the pin because Zoe's been on an impressive winning streak since beating Tony Storm and that whole feud. So Zeta had to eat the pin because she hasn't been fucking doing anything. She's literally on TV to be a jobber. That's basically what she does. She does the honors. She does the jobs to make everybody else look good. And I see no signs of her getting any kind of upgrade or promotion in that regard. Plus, they're the, the Candace and Indy are the tag team champions, so they have to look good. What I'm having a hard time dealing with is the fact that Dexter Loomis was nowhere to be found. He didn't come to the ring. He wasn't watching on a monitor. He wasn't creepily in the crowd staring at it, staring through the glass. Nothing. Just nothing. They just keep playing backstage mind games, but don't bring it out to the ring. And why the fuck not? Why would you not? What are you preserving? The answer? Nothing. It's a waste. 
It's fucking stupid. But either way, it was just a match. And it did what he needed to do. Make the way look good. Then backstage, Mercedes Martinez says Zia Lee is in Martinez's way on her road back to the Women's Championship. At the Mae Young Classic, Martinez beat Zia Lee. At TakeOver, she'll go through her. Once again, Mercedes cutting a fantastic promo. I have yet to see Mercedes cut a bad promo at any point in time. Her promos are on point. She is great at what she does. I have all the respect in the world for Mercedes Martinez. I think she does a phenomenal job. And if she can continue to do a phenomenal job, then the sky is the limit for her. I definitely see her beating Xia Lee, and I definitely see her becoming NXT Women's Champion. She's got all the tools. It just needs to be the right time. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening. We have, for the NXT Tag Team Titles, MSK defends the gold against Legato Del Fantasma. Ladies and gentlemen, I have never been more disappointed in a main event in my entire life. Not saying a lot. As you guys know, I can't stand MSK. Why? Because they are spot monkeys. They are AEW-style wrestlers. And I don't like it. And Legato Del Fantasma, they're somewhat of a cruiserweight team, but they know how to time their shit. But because they're in a ring with flip-floppy guys like MSK, they have to flippity-floppy as well in order to keep up with them in the ring. So the only reason I even remotely paid attention to this match was because a part of me honestly thought that Legato Del Fantasma was going to win, MSK was going to drop the belts, and this ridiculous facade that has been shown to the tag team division of NXT was finally going to go away. And unfortunately, it's not. Because, um, well, the referee has his back turned. Escobar sends Lee into the ring steps. Mendoza and Wild hit their finisher. Carter breaks up the pin. Outside the ring, Escobar is livid. Escobar turns around and Bronson Reed freight trains him into the barricade. MSK hit their finish on Wild for the win. And MSK retains the belt. And them and Bronson Reed hold the fucking titles up and... You know, celebrate the fact that, yay, we're all champions, and I'm the thick boy. It was fucking dumb. It was fucking dumb. Just the whole thing was dumb. Dumb. Now, apparently, in the midst of all of this, uh, Ember Moon was being interviewed backstage, and she has said that next week on NXT, she will go one-on-one against Dakota Kai. And then she wants to face Raquel Gonzalez for the women's title at TakeOver In Your House. Now... I'm assuming that Ember Moon has to beat Dakota Kai to make this happen. So there's a good chance Ember Moon's winning next week and she's facing Raquel at TakeOver, which is good because Raquel needs an opponent. And if Shotzi Blackheart is kayfabe injured, then it makes sense for Ember Moon to go for a solo title since it looks like they won't be getting a shot at the tag belts anytime soon. And hell had no furry like Ember's Law, which I love the promo, love the Ember's Law line, but I really don't think she's going to win the NXT women's title. As much as I would love her to, because I've been saying that ever since she came back to NXT, I've been saying put the title on her, but with the impressive winning streak Gonzalez has been on, I'm not quite sure I want to see that yet, but if Ember took the title, it would be hard for me to complain about it. It really would, because she's definitely somebody that deserves another run with the women's title especially with how piss poorly she was treated on the main roster and the fact that even though she won her first title she didn't get to win it from Asuka because they made Asuka surrender the women's title which was garbage it was one of those why don't you just let them piss in your mouth scenario it was dumb 
But anyway, that ladies and gentlemen will wrap up this recap of NXT. I thank you guys for joining us. Like I said, John should be back next week and he'll be on the weeks to follow unless there's some other fuckery that happens down the road because like we said, life happens. Sometimes I'll be here by myself and there'll be no John. Sometimes I'll be gone and John will be here with uh, Elvis to help him out, you know? Anything can happen here on the Boochcast, but John should be back next week and we should be back to our regular scheduled routine. So make sure you guys follow the Boochcast on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts. Pick your favorite hosting site, follow us there, or follow us on all four to really show your support. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as really great content for you guys to check out. Also, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. I just recently posted a photo of Elvis and the big screen TV that he bought with his uh, Geico bonus check. And uh, eventually at some point, I will be posting some photos from his vacation in Myrtle Beach. So make sure you're following us on Instagram to see all of that excitement. Also, make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out all the videos that we got. We got a D&D one-shot that we did, as well as archives of our wrestling watch parties. We got some holiday videos up there. And, of course, our Boochcast reviews. Dark Side of the Ring is up there. We got we got 16 episodes up there. We're going to have some other episodes coming soon, like uh, Brian Pillman, Parts 1 and 2, The Ultraviolence of Nick Gage, Collision in Korea, The Ultimate Warrior which recently aired so we'll have those videos out to you very soon. We just gotta get together and film them but with our schedules that's been kind of hard so once we get them out there we will have them available for you guys to check out but in the meantime, in between time, check out the other episodes that we've done and make sure you hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when that those episodes air to the channel as well as other additional content we'll be posting soon. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. We can interact with us during the show. Our next one will be in August, either the 21st or the 22nd. I'm still trying to figure that shit out. Uh, for WWE SummerSlam, that'll be our next watch party. Also, we have our D&D show that will be coming. I keep talking about it, but I promise you guys it's coming. I am hopefully, can't promise anything, but hopefully we will have an update from John when he comes back to the show next week. Now that he's settled in to his new house. We should be getting on the track of when we're going to do that. And as I mentioned before, we have a big, super duper surprise coming to the Boochcast D&D show. And I can't reveal it yet, but when I do, you will fucking love it. So make sure you're following us on Twitch for that content, as well as other Twitch content that will be coming down the road. And of course, you can support the show by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support and become a supporter of the Boochcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. It'll allow us to keep the show going, upgrade the equipment, bring in bigger name guests. It also helps me take care of the guys that work really, really hard on and off the air to make this show possible. So if you have a favorite co-host or correspondent and you believe they deserve to be paid for their work, this is the way you can make it happen. Now, we are still working out kinks as far as what rewards to give out for these contributions, but rest assured, if you become a supporter before we decide what 
the prizes are. As long as you're still contributing, we will make sure a prize goes out to you. That is our promise. That is our guarantee once we figure out what they are. But in the meantime, in between time, you have three options. You can support the show by donating 99 cents a month to this show. That's option A. So if you got a dollar that you want to spend, instead of giving it to a homeless guy or spending it at a Dollar Tree, come give it to us. We will take that money and actually do some real good with it as we provide great content for you guys all the time. You can also choose the option to donate $4.99 a month. So basically, for the price of a basic Peacock subscription, you can become a contributor to the Boochcast. I promise you, we're going to bring you better content than what you'll see on Peacock. And we have the final tier, which means you can support the show for a mere $9.99. That's right. For the price of a WWE Network subscription, you can support this show and... Since we don't even have the network anymore in the United States, you can now take that $9.99 that you were given to the network and just transfer it over here. Hell, we're going to bring you better content than the network because most of y'all keep canceling your subscriptions every other week anyway. So pick the tier you want and support the show. It means the world to us. And you can choose the option of paying with a credit card or if you have GPay, you can support the show using GPay. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.